When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So, yeah, I used the savings from switching to Progressive 50 years ago to finally buy my dream car. It's a self-driving flying car, but we just say self-flying now. You know, because it's the future, and cars fly in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Appreciate everybody uh, being here for this. Obviously an awesome uh, day today. want to thank uh, our fans. I know we had a little bit of an adjustment going from Saturday to Sunday, but I uh, had no doubt that Gamecock Nation would show up today and, and so thankful for the crowd that we had. Uh, that was awesome. I know it's going to look great on television and uh, really appreciate those guys working with us through the change and uh, showing up uh, today as well. Obviously the format was a, a little bit different for us today. Uh, primarily because of injuries. I mean, you guys uh, saw, I think we had 20, 23 players that didn't play today that would be normally playing if we in a game. So we had two teams uh, divided up, like I talked to you guys about in the press conference earlier this week. Uh, and then when we just, with the injury situation, we had uh, three scholarship running backs out. Uh, we didn't know if J.J. was going to play until really yesterday, so credit to him for coming out and having the kind of game that he had. Uh, but with that set up or knowing that, we just couldn't divide into the two teams, so we broke it up very similar to the way we did our two scrimmages, uh, uh, offense, defense there in the first half, and then the second half, so to speak, was uh, competition, which was uh, which was good. And then again, a lot of those injuries are postseason surgeries, rehabs, things that we've already had, and then some of those things that are just some bumps and bruises that have happened uh, throughout spring practice. Uh, special teams, just you know, we did that drill there at the end of the first uh, quarter. Uh, we've uh, to finish up the spring. That's something we've been doing all uh, all spring practice. Uh, we didn't do punt today as a full group. Coach Limbo, what he did on the punt team at Memphis is different than what I did at Oklahoma and other places. So we prefer not to show everything that we're doing on special teams uh, for the whole world to see. So that's why we did that. What we did, but I was pleased overall. It was good to see the offense come out. I talked about it earlier in the week. That wanted us to be uh, efficient. Uh, offensively, being able to get in and out of the huddle, minimize the pre-snap penalties, and feel like we did a great job of uh, of doing that. Uh, it's good to see us run the ball. Zaquandre White and Jaheim Bell, we knew they were going to have the opportunity to have big days today with some of the injury situations we had at running backs. So I'm really excited about those guys. Like I mentioned a minute ago, great to see J.J. and those guys come out and, and make some plays. So overall, you know, please, we got out of it uh, fairly healthy for the most part. Had a couple of uh, minor uh, ankle injuries, but nothing uh, nothing long-term from that standpoint. So excited about the day overall. And now uh, we go into the summer. Our guys have exams starting this week, so we got to finish up strong academically. Uh, they'll be gone. A lot of them will be gone in the month of May, and then we get back here June 1st for summer school. And this is a huge, huge summer. 
uh, for all of us, uh, players and coaches. We've got to take another step as a team. I just told them in the locker room that I, there's no doubt we've gotten better as a football team uh, from January when we started the offseason program to now. Uh, we've gotten better, but still not good enough. We've got to take another step here this summer and then in the training camp, but excited about where we are right now and love this group. They're hungry. They work hard. They do everything that we ask. And like I mentioned the other day, I wish we had 15 more spring practices. One, we need them, and two, I'm having a blast coaching them. So with that, I'll be glad to answer any questions. And welcome in. What's up? GC Live Monday edition. That, of course, the voice of South Carolina head football coach Shane Beamer, a, a very in-depth Opening statement there from from Coach Beamer carried a uh, hit on a lot of topics, hit on a lot of subjects, and uh, we're going to do the same here today with GC Live. Welcome in. Uh, Shout out to all our posters and chatters that are already here watching and listening. And, of course, shout out to our good buddy Clint Hammond. Clint Hammond is, of course, of the Mortgage Network right here in Columbia, right across from Dreher High School if you want to go check it out in person. ClintHammond.com is the way to do it online, or just give him a call, 803-771-6933. If you're uh, in the market for a new home, or maybe you just want to save some money and refinance with your current deal, interest rates still very, very low, and an opportunity there for you to uh, do some business with a guy who's not only a huge uh, Gamecock fan, but also a huge supporter of Gamecock Central, and of course, our primary sponsor, presenting sponsor here on GC Live. So once again, that's Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, presenting sponsor, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. Um, a very, very sort of busy weekend, uh, of course, for us at Gamecock Central. Um, and uh, I think a, a situation there for the fans where um, a- exciting weekend it seemed to be. Of course, the spring game, uh, the close of the first ever spring practice of uh, Shane Beamer. Um, they were lucky. Actually, great weather throughout the entire spring. Um, I don't think they had to use the indoor at all. Then we get this uh, – Terrible weather for Saturday. They bump it to Sunday. Proved to be an outstanding decision. Um, And uh, we got a little taste. Chris and I watched the game. We were in Atlanta for the Rivals camp. Uh, That only happens once a year. We felt like we had to be there. Several prospects, we might get into that later on, that we needed to see. But we watched the game, uh, the replay, here on Monday morning. And uh, really just uh, a chance to actually see the guys, see what we've heard sort of with our own eyes visually. As a Quandre White with a big day. Lots of fan opinions I've seen online, fan opinions on the message boards, fan opinions on the Twitters. We'll get into that. But first, Chris, uh, uh, without going into – don't give away everything yet. What was your, your first initial impression, your first initial thoughts from the spring game Sunday afternoon? Yeah, to keep it short, my honestly, the, the first thing I looked at, which was not a surprise, is, wow, there's a lot of guys out. You know, Shane Beamer mentioning – you know, 23 guys are out. And, and I think, Wes, the, the thing that I took away from this, we'll, again, we're going to get into a lot more of the details, break down individual players, all that later. So I don't want to get into too much of that. But I think the biggest takeaway, and this this goes just about every year, but especially this year for South Carolina, you know, don't take away too much from this particular game, especially given the circumstances. That many guys out. Even if South Carolina was at full strength, you know, you'd be sitting there wondering, okay, let's say if the receivers had a great day. Well, we know that there's depth issues at DB and things like that. Um, We knew, for instance, this year that they'd be down a few running backs. So let's say the running game was not as good, you know, as it was. And it was pretty good yesterday was the Quandre White. 
obviously had a really good performance. But if it wasn't as good, you wouldn't walk away saying, oh, the, the run game shot this year because they had three scholarship running backs out. So I think um, not not getting too up or down on individual performances or team performances, I think that was the biggest takeaway for me. You know, I, I certainly have opinions on some individual players and offense and defense and different things like that. But that was really what stood out, just just being able to conceptualize and visualize what we knew that there would be a lot of players out and sort of recognizing, seeing some of the different plays that happened and putting them into their proper context. That was my biggest takeaway that it's one spring practice out of 15 spring practices. Uh, we don't, we, we know some of what happened during some of the other ones. This is the only one that was publicly available the entire thing. And a, with a big portion of the roster sideline. Yeah, and, and you know, Chris, um, by the way, shout out again to our chatters. that You can't get anything past them, by the way, Chris. First of all, um, Chris, yes, his face is redder than usual um, because he forgot his sunscreen. I forgot my sunscreen as well. Um, and I, I need to do a better job of wearing sunscreen in general, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Completely forgot it. We're in the sun, what, from 8 a.m., from like 7.50 a.m., to three thirty, four. I don't. I don't remember. A while on Sunday, so could could not get that past them, and also could not get it past them that yes, I don't have my actual normal microphone. So if the audio sounds a little different, it's the regular computer mic, which is actually what we used to use before we upgraded our microphone situation. But that at least tells me the investment in the upgraded microphone was the right move if they could tell immediately. I mean, right off the bat, within two minutes. Hey, dude, you sound like crap. So apologize for that. I think the content, because we have a lot of stuff to talk about, will hopefully be better than the sound quality here. Um, at, now that we have gotten sort of the like the caveat out of the way, like, yo, it's a spring game, you can sort of take – if you looked at all the spring games and the history of spring games – and looked at the the big time like the big time performances in in spring games, and compared that to the percentages of guys where it like carried over to a huge um, fall. I mean, I, I'm guessing it's like a coin flip at best, right? At right. best, like I'm, I'm sure there are guys, especially like with newcomers, like maybe a, a freshman early enrollee just pops right off the bat, or. Um, you know, a guy that maybe was behind some some older players and then really gets his chance comes up. You know, it's it's not that it means nothing, but right. how I mean, how many times have we seen spring performances that just do not carry over? Um, especially if you get the later you get into a spring game, and of course they only gave us like two quarters and then some situational stuff. The later you get into a spring game, the less it matters as far as actually projecting what's going to happen because you're getting less and less of your starters on the field. All of that said, I think major shout out to Zaquandre White, who, um, you know, availability can be your best asset. And he's been available all spring, hasn't missed reps, hasn't missed practices, special teams, running back, um, multiple ways this guy is going to be able to help South Carolina. I know we know what South Carolina has in Kevin Harris. We think – we all know what South Carolina has in Marshawn Lloyd. That's good and all. But uh, 
as we sort of let's let's talk out of both sides of our mouth here. At least I'm going to. As much as spring game itself is not a huge indicator for future success, I say because this is what White has been doing from what we have heard all spring, mm-hmm. right? Now this is our our only real opportunity. Even when Chris, you and I were able to go out there for the media parts of practice, they're not actually running plays. Uh-huh. This was our visually like our chance to actually see it for ourselves. But apparently it's been like that all all 15, you know, that they're out there. So I, I tend to think, you know, what did we learn this spring? I think we learned you can further strengthen South Carolina's how, how we feel about South Carolina's running back room. That was never a question by any means, but I think it just solidifies what we all thought coming in. And maybe even you say that group's even better than we thought and that you're if you're the staff, you're sitting there saying, I got to get 11 in this mix as well. It's not just Harris and Lloyd. I've got to find a way to get 11 on the field. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and I think taking it, um, again, put the, the spring game in its proper context, but – also, you take all the other things that we've heard about Zaquandre White. You take the fact that, look, this is a this is a guy was a big time recruit out of high school, and before the spring game, and, and in fact, you know, several practices before the spring was even over, leading up to the spring game, uh, we had heard that Zaquandre had been having a great spring. You know, when the team was a little bit more full strength, and you know, from what we've heard, the coaching staff was very happy with his progress. He's He's really bought in. He's been one of the leaders of the team. I think we saw some of those signs. So, you know, I think sometimes you look at – you can even look at the on-field, uh, just the look, the feel of it. You know, if, if a guy catches six balls in a spring game and you're just looking at the stats, well, who's he, is, he, is he catching six balls against a bunch of walk-ons in the fourth quarter of a spring game or in situational work or whatever it may be? Um, or – you know, can you turn on the tape and see what he's doing? And so with Sequandre White, like you turn on the tape from yesterday and even against some of South Carolina's better units, he's making moves, he's making great cuts, he's showing good vision, he's running through contact. He's doing some of those things that he's been doing this spring and and showing a great attitude and sort of bringing some juice with him uh, as he's doing it. So that was one where I think you can actually take the spring game performance and see it as, you know, the fruits – of what of what Zaquandre has been doing this spring, and and so no doubt he he can be an asset. I mean, I, I think you know another play I think of. You look at the little sc- South Carolina threw a little screen out there too that wasn't very well executed at all. Uh, it was very ugly. Not not a great pass. Lineman, everybody was bunched up together. He sort of gathered it up, got a first down out of it. So um, I think there are certain performances that you can you can look putting them in the proper context, but you can still. Um, understand what it means. And so for, for Zaquandre White, he's certainly earned more opportunities this season, even with a, a running back room that, if it's healthy, is going to be pretty deep. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at him, you look at Jaheim Bell, what he was able to do, that was something we, you know, had heard and hinted at and um, didn't really straight up say was that Jaheim Bell has been working some at, at running back. And in the spring, they obviously some, – some of that is just, hey, look, there's an extreme shortage – at running back for the game with um, Harris, Lloyd, and Amos all out. So that gave Jaheim Bell an opportunity. But I, I think you do sort of see kind of what they're thinking. You know, Bell lined up at tight end. Bell lined up at running back. Bell lined up 
at, at fullback sort of as well. So I, I think you see, I think they see him as someone they can move around, get out there in a variety of ways. And you can split him out wide and sort of use him kind of like a flexed out a wide receiver as well. So I, I think those are, and in fact, uh, Colin Taylor has an article up right now saying, you know, White and Bell earn, um, you know, more playing time going forward. And I, I thought, uh, by the way, I, I know I had a super long Beamer sound bite or, or video clip, uh, depending on how you're you're watching or listening at the beginning. But I do have a couple more of these that I may get to uh, throughout the show. And uh, before we get on past uh, Z White, I, I wanted to to get Beamer's thoughts on that because I, I thought it was interesting. The very last thing that Beamer says about Zaquandre White is he points out how this performance um, is valued by the coaching staff, how he took advantage of an opportunity, and how um, that is going to lead to future carries for Zaquandre White. So fired up for him. That's the way he is every day in practice. Uh, that's the way he is every single workout. I've told the story that the very first walkthrough we had in the indoor back before we even started spring practice, we handed the ball off to him one time, and he you know, went full speed down the sideline, ran 30 yards to the end zone in a walkthrough. And I remember turning to J.J. and, and uh, Tonka and Aaron Sterling and some of those guys on the sideline, kind of like, what, what's up with this guy? And they said, Coach, he's that way every single single play and he is uh he's always got a smile on his face he's high energy I love the way that he competes and the way that he runs the football he's a uh he's he is a weapon for us he does a great job on special teams and and he's gonna have a I think he's gonna have a big time 2021 season he he with Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd and Rashad Amos not playing today he took advantage of that opportunity there's no doubt about it he's gonna get a lot more carries because of it yeah so uh point being um Beamer made a point to to point that out, you know, that, hey, this guy was there. Um, And not that the other guys can help it that they're out, but, uh, you know, his availability, the fact that he brings it every single day. um, I took that as, hey, we're going to make a point to to recognize that this will be rewarded come this fall. And uh, just good to see that for a guy. I mean, we talked about Saquandre on the show a ton last year and how he's the first guy um, off the bench to – to greet his teammates. You know, first guy off the sideline, I should say, to greet his teammates after a big play. The energy he brings to special teams. So, you uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it, Chris, has just been sort of finding a way to eliminate some of his um, ball security issues. You know, that when he came in, the staff last year thought he was going to be a guy who could make a big impact. Never really played out that way. An injury early on in camp, which I think hindered him quite a bit. Anytime you have a soft tissue issue at a position where you need explosiveness, like running back, if you're not 100%, you keep, you know, you try to come back and then you turn wrong and boom, it's, you know, you're out another two weeks. So uh, you have that, the ball security stuff. All those were issues last year. He's healthy. He's obviously an explosive kid, great lateral quickness, has some interesting vision, I would call it. Like he sort of finds, he sort of finds seams like that not all backs sort of notice almost. Now, some of that, his, you know, his running style, I think, and that he's sort of just all over the place at times does maybe tend to have hurt his ball security stuff because I think it lends your, it lends itself to you getting hit maybe from some, some angles where you're not expecting it. But he's obviously worked on that. And uh, excited for that kid. Uh, just talking to him when he very, you know, when he was enrolling at South Carolina. You could tell he was a special kid that had been through a lot, been through, you know, the JUCO days. And um, 
certainly pulling for him as a person because he, he's obviously worked really, really hard to get this opportunity. So, um, you know, I, I think let's let's transition a bit, um, you know, I, I think uh, to big picture and scheme. The scheme's very vanilla. I, I thought, um, you know, that was by design, certainly. But, Chris, I, I thought, it, you know, there, there were some takeaways we can have on the approach on, on both offense and defense. I, I think you sort of started to see – you know, you, you brought up that, uh, you know, that screenplay to, to Z White. The timing on it, I mean, it, it, it looked like a team that is in their first spring within an offense. You know, some plays look really good. And, and this is with any, you know, this is football. Some plays look really good. Some plays look really bad. But the distance between the really good ones and the bad ones, it was a, like a large distance because it's like the timing at times. You're still sort of trying to to sync things up. When's the ball supposed to come out um, on a particular play? When you know how how's like the offensive line on that screenplay was it was all out of whack, all out of sync. But um, you could sort of see what they're trying to do. I, I thought there was quite a bit of these like these like tight. You know, it's it's spread at times as far as personnel, but these sort of tight um, formations that we saw a ton from Joe Brady at LSU, that sort of Joe Brady influence on this offense. Um, you know, the, the fact they did huddle, but they could go they could go no huddle. They could go fast tempo when they wanted to, when they needed to, sometimes down near the goal line. Um, didn't really see a lot of the vertical passing game. We saw some of the underneath stuff. Um, I think a few RPOs mixed in there. But um, vanilla, but we did at least get a little glimpse uh, as far as what this offense is going to try to be. Yeah, formationally, we saw some things. That, that was – one of the big takeaways I had, Wes, and you mentioned that on, on a previous show or two, you know, some of those condensed splits, as they as they call it, where you're in those tighter formations. And, um, you know, right now it's you could see some of the mental errors, whether it was maybe a protection breakdown or a timing breakdown. Sometimes um, a play really worked out where it was, from a scheme standpoint, executed well. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular where, E.J. Jenkins was wide open underneath. There's another receiver open, and Luke Doty threw it and completed a pass to another receiver that was open. You know, so you saw some of those things, but sometimes it was just the timing that was off, or sometimes um, there was a mental error where you could tell. But, you know, were they going to show a ton? No, we knew that. But we did get a little bit of a sense for the offense and how multiple it's going to be. You know, you saw some different types of running plays. You saw some jet-type action. Um, We saw – under center handoffs. Um, we saw some different types of run scheme stuff. So um, we, we did get a little bit of a sense for that. And and I don't know, you know, maybe what fans expected or what we expected aside from maybe a few base plays here and there. But you do see and get the sense that it's going to be a pretty multiple offense. And I must say, West, definitely an emphasis on tight ends. That is not just a recruiting pitch that South Carolina staff has used. They – really sort of put their money where their mouth is in terms of scheming up the tight ends. Does that mean it was thrown to them every play? No. But the way that they used Jaheen Bell, um, now some of that obviously, like you said, due to the need at running back, but even even taking that out, the way they used him, the way they used DJ Jenkins, some of the other tight ends, some of the looks that they presented there, certainly an emphasis for this offense. Yeah, and you know, that there was a play, um, and South Carolina's had this, play in their book last year as well but um in this sort of goal line situational work at the end uh the play where Kevion Mullen scored on where they threw it out to him in the flat 
a little bit. Um, I, I think that was an RPO because early on in the game, when Nick Muse was still in the game, they, they ran that very same look but handed the ball off, uh, I think, to, to Zaquandre White. So, so that was an RPO that was just basically designed like, okay, we're going to have a run call here inside zone, I think, or one of their duo runs, and then we're going to just attach this, this little RPO that gets our tight ends the ball in the flat in, in space. And, and you don't always see that emphasis um, traditionally on, hey, let's get the ball to our tight end in space. You know, like that, that's more something for receivers. But I think with this group, the athleticism they have, uh, that's something we will continue to see where, um, you know, may, maybe the, the tight end is sort of um, – uh, you're not necessarily running the offense through them, but you're you're going to heavily involve them. And we, we've seen that these guys can be moved around. Um, you know, obviously Nick Muse is tight end one. But uh, like we talked about earlier, Jaheim Bell moved around quite a bit. EJ Jenkins was lined up actually attached to the line at times, but then actually split out. Pretty much, uh, you know, like a like a wide receiver at times, especially down near the goal line. That's something Beamer has sort of hinted at, uh, it, you know, prior that we want to use this guy split out down near the goal line. So, I think Chris, there will be a constant competition. If you're playing wide receiver or tight end, you're not just competing against the other wide receivers or the other tight ends. You're competing for when South Carolina puts their their premier group on the field, like their very top group. And, they're, of course, we know they're going to shuffle personnel in and out based on matchups. And, you know, you don't want to just go out there in two tight ends or three receivers the entire time. you got to mix things up. But when they're when it's fastball time, basically, like their number one group, is it going to be with two tight ends or is it going to be with three receivers and one tight end? So you're in a constant um, sort of back-and-forth competition across the way to that other position groups for this staff to say, I would rather have, um, for example, Jaheim Bell on the field than my third wide receiver, or I'd rather have my third wide receiver on the field than my second tight end. So I I, I think there's going to be a constant battle between those two things moving forward. But early on, you got to, you got to think, uh, and we're going to start being a broken record. I think this off season about the tight ends, but you got to think, that getting multiple tight ends on the field in multiple ways will be a big part of what they're going to do. Yeah, and and, and so you've got uh, personnel, like you mentioned, Wes, and then you have play design. So when you when you have certain guys on the field, and, and let's say South Carolina is in a, in a third and three situation, well, most offensive coordinators, or, or all of them, are going to have in mind, obviously you're going gonna, gonna to want to give a quarterback a lot of options unless you're running the football, but – what is your decision? Who do you want the ball? Who do you want to carry the football? Who do you want to go to with the football? Who are you designing the play for? And so maybe that's Kevin Harris or Marshawn Lloyd. There's a Quandre White on a, on a certain kind of run. Maybe it's a tight end. So making yourself more valuable, like you said, um, and so Quandre White's certainly a great example of that, making yourself more valuable, uh, having the coaching staff trust you in certain situations is is obviously big. So they're competing for, obviously, within their position. They're competing to get on the field to show their value to, to where, like you said, Wes, if you're weighing two tight ends and one, and then also who's getting the football win. And so some of South Carolina's better playmakers have so far, and what they've shown in their career and, and even during the spring, some of those guys are tight end. You know, uh, Nick Muse, Jaheim Bell, uh, Kevion Mullins from – some of what he showed last season, some of what he showed in the spring game, 
those guys are arguably more trustworthy at this point than maybe some of the guys in the receiver room in terms of getting open, catching the football. So that's something that's got to weigh in. Well, I will say, I think we got to throw a shout out there to, uh, to carry on joiner. Um, yeah. we, we'd heard it. Um, Steph had talked about how much he had sort of just really worked hard to become a leader in that group and has, has busted his tail as far as working. The whole group has, has worked on the jugs machine, putting in extra work. Um, in a very small sample size, I, I thought Joyner had a good day. Um, he did some things that after the catch on a third and long, couldn't quite get to the marker. But, um, you know, the, the key for him, as you and I have talked about, Chris, is to try to get him the football, give him some room. Once you can get him the ball, he's, you know, he's always been someone who can make people miss once he has the ball. Um, so his big thing, I think, since transitioning over to receiver has been uh, to continue to get better playing without the football, finding ways to get open, trying finding ways to um, accelerate and create separation against, uh, you know, man press coverage. And I, I thought, you know, he had, he had some catches yesterday. He had a, a contested catch yesterday for a first down. And again, extremely small sample size, but I do think it, it was a pretty good day that, you know, if you're going to maybe single a guy out at, at their, in the receiving room, um, Yep. Other than maybe an EJ Jenkins, who you can you know call him tight end, call him a receiver. He did a little bit of both yesterday. Uh, Joiner was the guy that, that my mind sort of immediately went to. Yeah, I agree, and, and I'm glad you pointed and you know, brought that up. I was certainly going to try to get to it before we end the show. Uh, I think uh, I went back and keyed in on him on several different plays and sort of watched back, and I thought there was improvement in several different areas. One of them, Wes, was was just blocking. Not not that Joyner is out there putting guys on their rears or anything like that, but I think just the effort that he showed in that department, um, some angles in the run game and things like that, I thought he did a good job with that. My number one, you, you already mentioned it, the number one thing that I think he had to improve on was, as you said, playing without the ball in his hands. So, if, if you want to play receiver effectively, you have to be able to get yourself open, not just be able to be schemed open. So this is an understandable transition for Joyner. You know, this is the guy that was a quarterback in high school and for some of his college career. And so I don't know if it was fair, especially when he's bounced back and forth and been banged up some. Okay, he should be a finished product in the SEC, you know, by last year. Uh, that probably wasn't fair. But that said, he wasn't, and there was a lot that he needed to work on. And so um, I think we've seen some improvement there, um, catching catching the football in traffic, getting himself open. Um, and then he, he continued to show that open field ability that, that you mentioned. He's got – when he gets the football in those short areas, he has some bursts, some acceleration, some quickness, and can make people miss. So um, – I think that was an encouraging sign because that, that did sort of show some of the traits that we've heard about um, coming to fruition. We're going to talk a little bit of defense, of course, maybe some standouts there. But obviously, before we move on from offense, we got to talk about quarterback. It never, it never ever fails that quarterback position is as, um, as diagnosed and um, dove into and uh, sort of just um, – I would say overanalyze as any position on the field. That's been the case. Uh, apparently in the, the 24 or so hours since the spring game, that's been a big topic of conversation. And, um, you know, I, I think part partially part of that is because of what Beamer said after the game. And that was that Luke Doty um, pretty much. And it's kind of, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let Beamer 
explain it for himself, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, I mean, unless something just totally changes between now and when we watch the tape, I mean, Luke Doty's our starting quarterback, and like every other position, that is going to be competition throughout the summer. Uh, by no means are we uh, anointing Luke, but I mean, Luke has taken every rep with the first team all spring practice. I didn't see anything today to make me, you know, think otherwise. He's he's great. Now it was great to see Jason make some throws. Great to see Colton do some things today. Connor, that whole group. But you know, we're we're competing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Luke's got to continue to get better. Luke's got to continue to progress over the summer. Luke's got to have a great uh, preseason training camp. But yes, as we come out of spring practice, Luke's our starting quarterback. Now it's his job to continue continue to earn that and, and continue to compete between now and uh, the Eastern Illinois game. So, all right, first of all, um, Chris, how much of this is semantics? Because, I mean, yeah, yes, it is a, it's a headline. You know, it's, it's one of our headlines on our site. It's going to be a headline on any site that covers South Carolina. Yeah. Luke Doty is our starting quarterback. You know, that, that I believe was, Part of the exact quote from Beamer that we just heard. Um, Luke Doty has been the, the first string quarterback um, from some, you know, I was going to say for all of spring, really since before spring. Beamer said that before spring even started. Luke Doty is a starting quarterback. He's actually said multiple times, Luke Doty is our first string quarterback until somebody steps up and can rise to his level and pass him has been how he's described it. How, how, how much of what Beamer just said is new information, like he's the starting quarterback, and how much of it is just really the semantics. I mean, he went on to say he has to still continue to earn the job. Right. He didn't say right. he's our starting quarterback regardless of what happens. Um. Is is this news or is this just semantics? Yeah, I think it, I think it's more semantics because I mean, look, like look, Luke opened. Uh, I remember going back to Beamer's pre-spring press conference. I mean, he he said there he's very open about it that we're going to have competition. It's a new staff. It's a it's a clean slate. But Luke is going to take the first rep, the first day at quarterback. Whenever the ball is snapped and there's a quarterback there, it's going to be Luke, and and so. We figured that, but that's how they ended up doing it. And, and really, Wes, the reason for that at the time was he was the guy that had the most experience on the team returning, right? That nobody else had, had uh, played as a Gamecock at that point. When you look at Connor Jordan, Colton Gothier, true freshman, Jason Brown transfer. So that made total sense. That said, he hasn't done anything to lose it. And as Beamer said in that clip you just played, Luke Doty has retained that status throughout spring. He's he's continued to take first team reps. So um I, I don't think it's as newsworthy. Like you said, I, I think you hit it there. He didn't say no matter what, he's gonna be the guy. There will never be competition. It's over. Nobody else should even try. But I do I do think it was it was a little bit of semantics there where there's a little bit more made of that story. I think it's taken on a little bit more life because some people are looking at, you know, for instance, what Jason Brown did in the spring game and that limited sample size and then sort of playing those two things against each other. But, yeah, I, I, I tend to think not as, you know, noteworthy of an item. Here's what I go back to. Um, we got to remember, again, this is one spring practice out of 15. One. This is the only one that was televised. 
This is the only one where everybody saw everything that happened during the spring. And, and by the way, this team, the least healthy it's been all spring with 23 guys out that would have played otherwise. So we know that Luke has been the first string guy throughout. Was it his best day yesterday? I do not think so. I certainly think there are some things. Did Jason Brown make some nice throws in certain situations? Yes, I do. I do think he did. But you got to put all that into context. We know at the beginning of the spring, for instance, that Jason Brown had a huge learning curve through no fault of his own of just being able to step in. He missed some time at the beginning, so he's catching up on the playbook. He's catching up on the speed of the game and all those things. So, again, one spring practice. I don't think it's that wise to say, well, well, you named Luke the starting quarterback and make too much of that and say, well, what about Jason Brown? Are they not going to let him compete? Yes, they are. And, again, proper context is one spring practice that we all saw as far as what the quarterbacks did. And they did it in circumstances that were a little bit unusual because how the game was structured and who all was in and who all was out. Chris, I think um, for, for one, not, and not not only just one practice, this was essentially half of a spring game. You know, yep. like it was, it was not even a, a full spring game. It was half of a spring game. And yep. I, I think, and, and y'all, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like going to try to generalize for the entire fan base, because there's different opinions on on every on every situation. For sure, but I do think there is a large portion of the fan base right now that has a bit of sort of um, fatigue from last year right. about the quarterback situation after after for all season long for most of the season, shoot prior to the season even feeling like the quarterback position was mismanaged. Um, that's still a, a thought process from the majority of this, uh, this fan base. I, I think like based on what I see, the outspoken part of them are at least um, feel that the quarterback position was mismanaged. Well, e- even, you know, even if that is true, um, Chris, I have to think, we now have to turn the page and remember these are different people making these decisions now. You cannot hold the quarterback decisions of a prior staff against the current staff. Um, There were seven passes delivered by Luke Doty yesterday in the actual game part of this thing. There were five passes delivered by Jason Brown in the actual um, game part of this thing. So we're, we're going to judge the future starting quarterback on a total, a grand total between the two of 12 passes. Like that's that, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It It's great to, it's great to talk about because that's what sports are about. We can talk about it and discuss it. Um, but there is there is no conspiracy theory here, which you almost get the sense on our message boards on Gamecast Central. Um, there's literally a post about that it's a conspiracy theory going on here. There is no conspiracy. Um, Jason Brown missed early time of practice, so he was behind from the beginning, no fault of his own. And then it's coming from an offense that structurally is very different from what South Carolina – does and is doing and will do on offense. So I think um, you, there, there are two things 
you can say two things can be true. Like you can say Jason Brown um, made some some really good throws on Sunday. Nobody's taking anything away from Jason Brown. He he made some some actually really good throws. Got the ball out quick. Um, got the ball to his former teammate uh, and current teammate EJ Jenkins. That you can tell that connection is there. They know exactly where each other are. You know as far as um, uh, camaraderie there, and uh, it's almost like. I don't know. I guess when you play with a guy for, for as long as they've played, um, he knows the exact timing to get him the football. Um, but then you can you can say that and also say it doesn't mean he's going to be the starter or should be the starter because, you know, frankly, Colton Gothier was the second guy out there at quarterback. Connor Jordan was the third guy out there at um, at quarterback. So Jason Brown was the fourth guy out there at quarterback. So um, I think uh, this whole just this leap we want to take, and we've seen it a million times before. But um, right. Right. people were leaping to throw Luke in there last year, and now um, what two two and a half games plus a spring game into Doty's career, where you know some people are ready to to pull the plug on this, like that's. That, that's fast even for um, this college football current era that we are in. It, it is. And, again, you know, if you take only what you see, there are things we talked about. We've been talking about this all show. Of what do you take away from a spring game? What do you not? And, again, this one's even different than a regular one. So probably even less. There are some things you can take away, some things you sort of – and so for this one, you know, bear in mind, what is one – practice uh, it is it is a good thing that jason brown made some nice throws that's a good thing they need him to continue coming on maybe Wes, we get to the preseason i mean who knows like i wouldn't project this right now maybe we get to the preseason and jason brown is just so good in practice so we need to give this guy a look at playing maybe that happens but we'll talk about that later when it happens we're, we're going off what we know right now and so what we know right now is through 15 practices, the coaching staff, a new coaching staff, not Will Muschamp, Mike Bobo, any of those guys, those guys aren't on staff. They're not there. Brian Holinsky's not on the team anymore. Colin Hill's not on the team anymore. So it's a totally new clean slate staff. Their assessment is Luke Doty's the top guy. And so I, there's not any ulterior motive of, hey, they're trying to keep all these different guys happy. Like right now, Luke's the starter, and then they're going to continue competing. And really, just call spade is made. That, that's where it is right now. And I think that's that's totally fine to say that because that's where it is. I will say this. Um, I I think you actually – when I when I looked at um, the three scholarship quarterbacks throwing the football um, – if you're a Carolina fan, you actually can feel not not that the quarterback position is settled yet by any means, but I thought all three the like the ball came out of their hands very well. Um, you know, there were a couple of balls where, where Luke Doty had to stick it in there, and and he showed um, you know that, that he can put zip on the ball as well. Um, you know, I, I thought Colton Gothier had a throw on a dig route to Ortray that was not completed. That you said, you know. I mean, I'm not going to say it on the show, but I was like, you know, th- this dude can <laughs> – like, dang, this guy, the ball comes out very, very nicely. Um, 
and on rhythm and with a uh, with some pace and, and a, a nice spiral. And then, you know, we talked about Jason Brown putting the ball where it needed to be, um, getting the ball out on a, uh, you know, a pretty quick basis. And that's something I even thought a, a lot of, if y'all will notice, maybe this is somewhat coincidence, but a lot of what they called when Jason Brown was in the game, you know, they didn't put him under center, I don't think. It was more spread variety, uh, true spread, like uh, like he's used to playing in at St. Francis. So, you know, I, I think there, you know, with Doty, it was a little more under center. It was some of that stuff, hand the ball off under center. We even saw some pistol. So, I, uh, you know, I, I think it was, it was a little more geared towards um, Jason Brown when he was in the game. And uh, so the key moving forward is for all these guys to keep to use this next. It's April twenty sixth, South Carolina. The kids get uh, they get May off. Um, so these next ninety days that have got to be huge for the quarterbacks. For Jason Brown, it's going to be get out there with with these wide receivers all summer and to dive into this playbook because it's very different than what he was doing at, at St. Francis. And, um, you know, for Doty, it's going to be to continue to, to work on timing and, um, you know, getting the ball out quickly and, and getting the ball out on time and stuff like that. But um, it, it's not a finished product for, for any of the guys. So um, I, I think just uh, this talk is fun because that's why, I mean, we wouldn't have a job if people didn't like to talk about sports and debate it. So I'm not even – I'm not just trying to discourage anybody from talking about it, but this uh, – this whole idea of there's a conspiracy at quarterback um, is uh, is a little too out there for for me to to hop on board with. So let's talk a little defense, Chris. Um, any any standouts? I mean, JJ Nagbari, duh, like dude, yeah. dude's yeah. out there beating double teams of pretty good players. Um, not a rep that a couple of offensive linemen are going to enjoy watching in film review with Greg Atkins today, but. Um, right. Dude, anybody else that, that caught your eye? Well, I'd start with Zach Pickens, I, I thought. And, you know, we've continued to hear, Wes, that he has come on throughout the spring. And I think a lot of us have been waiting, whether it was, um, you know, media folks like us who cover the team, fans, even people within that building have just sort of been waiting. All right, when's the light going to come on for Zach Pickens? Like, it's going to happen, right? And And I think we're seeing that as spring has progressed. He's done a really nice job. We knew the kid had natural talent. You know, year one is transitioning from being more of an edge guy in high school to playing defensive tackle in the SEC. Year two, he shows some flashes. I think he's taken another step forward, it seems like, to where he understands technique more. He understands how to get off blocks. And then he uses that natural movement. A, a guy that his size, a guy his size that can move like that. And he's now using putting all those tools together and being disruptive in the backfield. He showed some ability to rush the passer. He showed some ability to stop the run. So uh, that's one guy I would go with. Wes, Tyreek Johnson had a, a really nice sack in the game off the edge. You saw on the broadcast, Mike Peterson, the uh, edge coach for the Gamecocks defense, really fired up about that one. Tyreek's a kid that, man, he's been through a lot with injuries, had the gray shirt, when he first got to South Carolina, he's been through a couple major injuries um, and, and really doing a nice job, you know, technically. showed a really good first step playing outside as opposed to, you know, he's played inside a good bit at South Carolina, moved outside there. And so um, 
those are a couple of plays that flashed, but, but Zach Pickens for me was the individual guy that I think flashed the most. Lots of talk about Debo Williams, I think, among the fan base. And, you know, I, I thought with, with Debo, the thing that stood out to me, um, we, we've known the physicality is there. We've known that part was going to be there. And, you know, Beamer talked about, hey, this guy, he may not always quite know exactly where he's supposed to be yet. That's going to come with time. But he naturally, instinctually, always seems to be around the football. So, you know, whether it's it's game one or game six or it's the end of the year, I, I tend to think, based on those comments and what I saw with my own eyes, I think Debo Williams is a guy who will steadily be able to get more and more playing time. Um, you know, we, we saw Brad Johnson in there with the ones at, at sort of the Sam. We saw Damani Staley, I, I guess, would have been at the mic. Um yesterday and I did not notice Sherrod Green I guess at all um did, did you see Sherrod on the field Chris I do not recall seeing him on the field so and again we um we were covering rivals camp in Atlanta yesterday so everything we had to do was watching the tv copy so I'm assuming that means Sherrod was one of the guys on the sideline I know he's had some bumps and bruises as well so um but Debo getting a lot of reps sort of with that second group that came out there the thing I liked about it Chris was um he was around the football in the passing game as well. And, um, you know, came over, dislodged a ball that was going to be caught at one point. Um, you know, I think he did get maybe beat on, on one route down the field. Uh, Might have been dropping back into like a zone coverage or something. But uh, that that was sort of my question for him coming in. You start looking at the skill set. How does he maybe fit in as far as doing all the things you require from, from a linebacker? Um we knew the physical part was there. We knew he'd probably be a pretty good tackler. I I liked that um, he looked comfortable moving around in space and dropping back into coverage as well. I think that that bodes very, very well uh, for his future at South Carolina. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, everything that we heard about this kid coming in was just about his work ethic, his leadership ability. Had that Maybe had that sort of future defensive team captain sort of vibe to him and I certainly think he flashed in the game as well. Just his physicality and always being around the football, that's what you look for. And I think it's going to be a welcome addition. Again, I think going going back to the big picture takeaway, Wes, for offense, defense, special teams, three new schemes. So these guys are still working through it. This, this football team that we saw yesterday, and this is fortunate for South Carolina, is not the finished product that they're going to be before game one, before the end of the season. Um, I think even they're going to continue working through all those things. Obviously, a lot of injuries, minor injuries that, that kept guys out, but also schematically still learning. And so when you mentioned that, hey, Debo may not always know where to go, that's going to be the case for a lot of players on this football team right now in all phases of the game, still learning those things, still you know processing that information and then trying to put it on the field. So. But when you look at the physical tools and the work ethic of Devo Williams, is, is a positive, I think, for this defense to have him continue to improve and emerge. Yeah, I like um, I like the physicality we saw from some of the guys in, in the secondary. Um, you know, there's there's a play where Mar- Marcellus Dial came over and and, and delivered a hit. Uh, Od Fortune was out there hitting the quarterback. I saw so that uh, that's probably not good. Uh, might might get you a few extra runs from the coaching staff, but. But actually, um, you know, I, I think for, for what the coaches have said as well, it has been more physical than maybe they even expected this spring. And 
you know, I thought, dude, Cam, Cam Smith got called for, for a PI down there trying to cover EJ Jenkins on the goal line in the situational work. But I actually, I liked what I saw from Cam on that play because he came up, engaged with EJ and said, you know, you're, you're not, you may be taller than me, but you're not gonna sort of out physical me. And uh, he got called there, but I, dude, I'll take that all day. I, I thought that was a good sign for, from Cam. We've heard his name pop up. He's going to have to be good. You know, it's not even about, you know, will he, can he, you know, he wants to be good, whatever. He's going to have to be good if this defense is going to have a chance to, to take a step forward. So I, I liked some, some of that that we saw. Um, did, did you catch the, um, the announcers when they talked about um, Dom Hill? They said, uh, they say, you know, Dominic Hill is a guy that, that Clayton White has, has talked about quite a bit to us. A lot of times the coaches are a little more open um, in general, just talking about college football coaches, they're a little more open with what they tell the announcing crew as far as what's really going on. So I, I thought for them to say that the coaches have talked up Dom Hill, probably a pretty good sign for where he stands within, uh, you know, getting some playing time next year. And I think Dom Hill, that, that ball that Gauthier threw to Ortre Smith, uh, targeting him, I think Dom Hill was on coverage on that play, if I'm remembering correctly, and I, I think had a, had a hand in helping break that pass up. So, yeah, he, you know, he didn't see a ton of balls thrown his way yesterday. And I think that's generally, if you're a DB, that's a positive. Unless if a ball is thrown your way, you're going to make a play on it. But he's a guy, Wes, I mean, we, we scouted Dom Hill in high school. There's some traits there that were very interesting with his length, his ability to go run and cover. Um, he's a guy that had some talent. So for him to continue coming along and progressing, I think is huge for this team. Same thing with Cam Smith. And then looking forward, the reality, in my opinion, for this defensive backfield is, is they've got to have some reinforcements come in and, and then see where those guys can play for you. You know, a, a Ladarian Craig, Isaiah Norris, who I think has a chance to make a quick impact if he can pick things up. Carlin Splatel, the transfer. There's some guys out of this recruiting class that they're going to be counting on to, at the minimum, add some depth and add some competition. But Dom Hillflash, Cam Smith, like you said, Obviously, very thin in the secondary, but those guys did some good things. And, uh, you know, Marcellus Dial, even as a guy that some people are talking about right now, I think uh, did some positive things in the game yesterday. Yeah, we'll see if we'll see if South Carolina maybe hits the transfer portal again, potentially. I, I think that's the area if you are going to hit the portal. And Beamer didn't say a definite yes, but he didn't really rule it out either. DB. It's probably where you hit the portal. Like, you know, now if some just absolute difference maker steps up, um, like pops in and wants to come to South Carolina in any position, save maybe maybe running back, you almost have to take them. But I, I think if you're going to sort of go out there and say, well, who's a guy that can come in and help and maybe even just provide some depth, secondary is the spot I, I think you're going to do that at. Um, I did talk to Tyrese Ross the Washington State safety that's in the transfer portal is originally from Jacksonville, played his high school ball in Atlanta, and uh, is someone that South Carolina, at least as of late last week, has talked to. Didn't really sound like they've necessarily officially offered him yet. They're supposed to talk soon. Uh, actually, they, they were going to talk after the spring game, so I'd imagine sometime this week. But he's a guy that I think you should keep an eye on um, as far as that position. He seemed very interested in South Carolina interested in North Carolina, 
and actually interested in Central Florida. Um, Gus Malzahn, I think, creating some buzz down there. And, and Addison Williams, um, actually former Gamecock Addison Williams, the safeties coach down there. So a little little tie there for, for the Gamecocks, but we'll see what they do there. All right, so as we close out our spring practice sort of talk and our spring game talk, um, as I said, exams this week for the guys, um, they'll sort of have May off. What, what what's next for you, Chris? Is there a is there a single biggest like step that has to be taken this off season? Is there something? What's your biggest off season storyline based on what we learned from the last fifteen practices? You know, honestly, I was going to cheat at first and say my biggest storyline in the off season is recruiting, right? But I and and I do believe that wholeheartedly. Um, it's short and long-term, this team's got to recruit. And so that's going to be the focus throughout May, then in June, recruiting reopens, and it's all from there. But we need to stick with the team, and I think that's what you really meant with your question is from a, from a team standpoint, what they got now, what's the biggest emphasis? I, I think it's building depth and just ingraining these new schemes into this football team, offense, defense, special teams. I said earlier, not a finished product with any of that stuff in terms of being able to get it fully, completely installed and grained. That's going to be the biggest thing. So just how can you maximize what you have on this roster? Obviously, we know that, for instance, when the running back room is fully healthy, you feel good about that group. Like you feel pretty good based on talent and what has already been shown on the field by some of these guys. Um that they're going to be in a decent spot there. Uh, but there are a lot of other questions. So receiver continuing to improve, build depth, defensive back, maximizing what you have there, trying to build some depth, finding your best five. Um, I think those are the biggest storylines. You know, I, I think I'm going to go really big picture here. Yeah. Last year, uh, with, with the COVID shutdown, there were a lot of guys that I, I think had to fight through some some conditioning issues when the fall came back yeah. and, or when fall practice started, when football came back. There's a difference between being like in shape compared to the rest of us on the planet and being in Columbia late summer football shape. And, you know, I, I think you look and that was apparent early on last year. And also – I can't shake this feeling that uh, that I've sort of been told by by some people I talked to that there's a sense looking back that there was not a good enough physical development from when guys arrive on campus to when they leave, um, you know, under the previous staff as far as strength and conditioning. So, you know, when when a guy comes in as a true freshman, no matter how good he is um, and already sort of developed he is, he should look like a different person to an extent when he leaves as a junior or senior because he's put on good weight or he's sort of um, lost some bad weight and gained more definition. So I think to have another full like three months with Luke Day and that staff and, and all those guys um, is is the key for South Carolina because we know there's going to be a lot of games they play. Frankly, they're not going to be the most talented team on the field. Um that, that, that's life in the SEC. That's where the program is right now. You have to find an edge somewhere, and um, you have to at least be at the point 
where um, you're not finding yourself another disadvantage. You know, like you have to at least have as good of a strength and conditioning program as everyone else. So I I think that that's the key for this to be a great and, – and everybody, we're not going to know. Every every program in the country has great, you know, great summers of special – of, of strength and conditioning work. Almost said special teams because that's in the back of my mind as well that they're going to need to be really good on special teams. But um, they need to have an actual really good summer as far as strength and conditioning works. And if they do, then, um, you know, maybe, maybe this is a team that can surprise people. So we'll see. I had said, by the way, in the little um, summary for the show that we'd talk about the rivals camp a bit, but we've actually gone a full hour on the spring game. And because, you know, rivals camp really, it, it was rivals exclusive. So uh, the content will sort of still be uh, unique and, and sort of fresh on, on Wednesday as well. I say we'll, we'll save the recruiting talk until Wednesday. And uh, I guess we're going to get on out of here. Uh, Chris, you got any final thoughts, man? No, man. I, th- I think we've co- covered a lot of ground. So uh, continue breaking it down this week. Tons of content. Uh, we've already got a couple of things out from Rivals Camp and obviously from the spring game. We'll continue rolling out that uh, information on GamecockCentral.com. So come check us out. Um, yeah, by the way, pre- appreciate everybody in the chat. Appreciate uh, some kind words there from uh, from our guy Russ, uh, from Fred Cooper, as always. Some some loyal, loyal uh, listeners and watchers there. And, and shout out to Craig. By the way, Craig wanted me to share this with y'all. Um, he, I think he's already got it set up. I haven't seen it. Um, but he set up a Facebook page called GC Live Members. Uh, I'm guessing it's a Facebook group, uh, to be more specific, um, for everybody to sort of post some content, maybe schedule a future meetup, and uh, also just connect with some people that are in this little chat room. So, uh, Craig, I don't know if you're still on here, but at some point we'll get you to post that link in the chat so that everybody can see it. Otherwise, I think you can just maybe search for GC Live Members Group and then uh, Craig will, I'm sure, to let you in there. So appreciate you setting that up, Craig. Appreciate everybody for listening or watching. And uh, Chris and I will be back on Wednesday. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.